You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Welcome to Elf Series, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is my co-host, Corey Scott. And for quick, real quick before we introduce our guests, for all info on the show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsenerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncast.com. And as a warning on Elseners, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. So, Corey, don't care how you're doing, because we got a guest. Patrick Delahanty from twit.tv, animecons.tv, adequate.com. Patrick, how you doing, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Now, Corey, how you doing? <laughs> uh, I am I am running with, uh, I'm Superman for the quest for a headache medicine that works. But I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that Patrick is here. I'm glad yes. that you're here. And I'm glad that, that Growly's here in the chat. So, hi, Growly. True, true. Yeah. Hey, Growly. So yeah, it's been, we've been, I think we've been trying to get you on for a while, but you know, schedules just hadn't ma- matched up. So but yeah, yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm glad to, man. yeah, yeah. You're, you're busy over there at Twit, which is understandable. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Burke's here too. Yes. Yay, Burke. Hi, Burke. <laughs> and doing things, but yeah, so thank you once again for taking time out. Almost, almost swallowed whole the cough drop I'm sucking on because I got this really awesome cough going on. <laughs> no, would not just real fast good. everybody what is your favorite cough drop brand slash go-to and is it because it's a cough drop or is it because it's basically just glorified candy so i do that i do get the the throats just for cough the pectin stuff which is basically just candy um and then i usually get like the tropical fruit or something like that uh, but these are actually cherry that I've got the Hall's cherry. Hall's cherry, that's my go-to. That's candy. When I yeah, when I was a kid, it was the Luden's cough drops that were cherry flavored that were just awesome, and I would go through a whole package in one sitting. And and I feel like most Hall's, I'm like that with anyways. But at least the Hall's I feel are actually medicinal. Yeah, Luden's were not. They were just they were just sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. It's one of those things, like, like, because I've just I had this cough, and I'm just like, all right, uh, I'm gonna need to take something. So I go, mom, you got any cough drops? And she gave me her her bag of Halls soothing, whatever things. So I'm like, all right, cool. But I get occasionally, it's usually the Dollar General brand because they're cheap, but just the throat soothers thing where it's only for coughs. They those they cough. also have the ones that are liquid film that are like the old freshen up gum. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, those are those are all right. I don't know if yeah. you if you really want to attack something you go full on Ricola, but mm, that's that's just that's kind of harshing my mellow. That's like putting an Altoid as a suppository. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> on that note, let's move into the news here. And this, and actually, I believe all these, with the exception of one story, uh, Patrick recommended. Um, and this one you actually, you know, brought to us. And that's at least one Star Wars Rebels character survives until Return of the Jedi. Yes. 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 Uh, so I'm going to assume that it's safe to I'm gonna assume that it's a safe bet that you've seen and you are big into Star Wars Rebels. 
I love Star Wars Rebels. It's yeah. I, I, I've watched uh, the Clone Wars uh, and of course all the movies, but yeah, I've seen every episode of Star Wars Rebels the night it aired. Uh, sometimes before it airs because they have it online through the Disney XD app, and so I'm big into that show. And I need to cosplay from it sometime. I want to build a chopper. I want I want everything. Nice. But yeah, so I've seen this, and it's uh, we'll have a link to it because it's talking about the video which this is one of the things that i've been liking that they've been doing is the uh star wars forces of destiny um little shorts that they do that they'll play between sometimes between disney channel or disney xd shows that are in canon and it's focusing in on on the women of star wars because i mean let's face it in a lot of things women are forgotten star wars is one of the first ones to have you know a lot of kick-ass women and you know yes. in, the, for, in the forefront yeah, well, not so much in the original trilogy where there was uh, Leia and uh, a slave girl and Mon Mothma. I think that and, was and the three women. Your blue milk server and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Aunt Beru. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's good to see Forces of Destiny giving the role model for the girls. Yeah. Uh, but it, it also, I, I like how the story fills in some little gaps here and there with Ray, uh, with Leia, and other characters. It's a, a nice little side story. So let, let me ask you this there, Patrick. What are your thoughts on the whole, you know, like basically Star Wars in general with the whole, this is canon, this isn't canon, we're pulling this in from non-canon to canon, all that stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think canon if it's given too much weight because, yeah. you know, if it's a good story, if, if you enjoy reading it, that's great. It doesn't matter if it was ex, uh, the expanded universe and now it's not canon anymore or, uh, you know, maybe it's something that is canon or uh, it doesn't matter. As long as you enjoy it, that's good. But I do like seeing stuff like this that is in canon because that gives us the promise that there may be more coming. Uh, yeah. And so knowing that Hera and Chopper are alive by the time of uh, Return of the Jedi, they're on Endor talking to Han Solo. It tells us, oh, there's more to that story. Her uh, her timeline's not ended. So yeah. And sometimes and I, I wonder if if the point of this is to kind of give canon back to the audience that is still kind of lost as to what is and what isn't because. It was a hard thing to do that to the fans, and I know that that was ultimately a decision that probably had to be made to be able to do the the sequels now. But you're talking about people who've been dedicated to this for 30 years, and some people have read everything and watched everything multiple times, and to say, okay, now everything that you knew, a lot of it probably isn't the same anymore. And okay, great. But they, they did this with Spider-Man a few years ago where they wiped out the Spider-Man marriage and they they changed a lot of his history in doing that. And it was a number of years of them trying to kind of let people know what exists now and what doesn't exist now, what changed, what didn't change. And even then there was so many continuity flubs because depending on the creator you had in the book or the editor you had doing it, it would it would be counterbalanced by somebody else's story saying, oh, well, no, this person knows who Spider-Man is. Oh, this person doesn't know who Spider-Man is this week. But you're right. When it comes to continuity, you kind of just have to let it go sometimes. It, it's rough, 
because in your mind you see it all one way and then when you you see the people who are in charge of it not following that you're like well why why can't you isn't that your job man <laughs> and in the case of star wars uh so the there was so much built up through the books and comics and everything over the years that it really became complicated. You look at Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia and you look up something like the trash compactor monster. And that thing had a origin planet, had a name, had a backstory. And it's, it's just this little thing. And so it, it, I, I can see how that made it hard to tell stories going forward because there's very few holes that hadn't been filled. So you're going to say, okay, no, this is just legends now. You can still enjoy those stories, but here's what's actually in the timeline. And, you know, maybe at some point, 20, 30 years down the line, they'll have to do it again and say, okay, this is legends too. We're going to tell more stories. And I, I've seen this with Transformers. I was a big fan of Generation 1. And then, yeah. th then there was the comic in the, the cartoon and they were different and then you had the japanese and so the entire history of transformers has been different timelines different canons and so star wars has been lucky that it's really just had that one and now they've separated so well even back in the day because when the movies were still coming out we were already getting side stuff we were getting splinter of the mind's eye uh we were getting the the marvel comic series of star wars that introduced things like Jax, who is the giant green bunny or human-sized green bunny, and, <laughs> right. and all these things that it's like none of that really exactly ties in well to what they did with the series going forward. Like at first, we all thought, sure thing, Luke and Leia are going to get, get, get together, right? And I think a lot of things are written towards that, that, uh, oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, I have a lot of confusion about this now. <laughs> Yeah, and beats beats saying wasn't it Dark Horse? And no, uh, Marvel had the uh, rights for Star Wars or, or publishing Star Wars, and then it went to Dark Horse uh, later on. But yeah, so I mean, I, I look at this article, um, which we post in our show notes and all that stuff, which has the video uh, from Disney's website, and they talk about which is something I'm more of a I'm more of a fan of. You know, like canon. Okay, it's cool, and I do enjoy canon. You know, like what is canon? What isn't canon? but it's more easter eggs and they give the um they give a little easter egg to uh you know with yoda throwing luke's ration sticks in in empire and uh, it took me a little bit I'm like wait what are they talking about and they have a gift playing i'm like oh yeah that's clever you know these little things that you know if i were watching it i might have picked up on it but if not you know it's the you know the you watch after you know like the you know the 99th viewing you pick up on something else it's a way to keep people watch you know the rewatchability of things yeah i watched it uh that clip for the first time yesterday and i totally missed the the reference to yoda but the, the stuff like that's a really nice touch to be able yeah. to see later on it's animated ewoks and man i had a love of the ewoks cartoon series as a kid so it's nice to see that come back <laughs> so the next story is that dc has cast their shazam Sorry, I was waiting for the lightning. And then it's Zachary Levi, who we might know from playing, uh, oh God, what's this Thor Thor character? Uh, Fandral? No. Uh, but from Chuck, you know, he was the title, the lead character in Chuck. Um, yeah, he was Fandral. Yeah, Fandral. That's right. Yeah, I, I knew it was fan something, but I couldn't get the last part. Now, this is actually interesting for me, um, and because we were talking about this before. 
because we knew who was Black Adam. You know, The Rock is going to be playing Black Adam. And so I was like, all right. And the, he, he had, there was reports when he was, you know, cast for this that he, they basically go, which one do you want? Do you want, basically in wrestling terms, do you want to be the face or the, or the heel? He's like, I'm being the heel, man. So he picked Black Adam. And so everyone's like, okay, well, who's going to play Shazam? Are we going to get Vin Diesel? And they're naming off all these muscle men. And then for Zachary Levi, I'm like, he's got to put out a lot of muscle. Like, cause he's not where he, he might, I, I think he's tall, but he's not, you know, you know, ripped, especially if he's going to be going up against the people's, uh, the people's champion, you know, at well, least not, if not in the first movie, you know, they will be crossing paths. I, I grew up with, uh, the Captain Marvel Shazam character, uh, reading the comics from, from the 60s, 70s, 80s. And he wasn't, Superheroes didn't used to be all that jacked. If you go back and watch uh, Christopher Reeve in the Superman movies, that was more of a superhero build for a long time. That's what we looked at. And it wasn't all like, here's here's your 22-pack abs uh, in every shot like it is today, which is not a bad thing at all. And I, I, I'm certain that Zachary Levi can can pull that off with a, the trainer and everything else. And it's not like he's in bad shape now. But the the essential of of the Shazam movie has been what is this movie going to be like when we've seen what is many people believe is a very dark DC film universe. And if these characters are supposed to exist in the same universe, which since they've said a bunch of times that black Adam is supposed to not only get his own movie, but may even go up against Superman at some point, then is that darkness going to bleed over into what was probably the most kid-friendly comic that comic character lead that DC had because it was brought in by another company. Um, it was the Fawcett comics and then DC acquired them by suing them into existence. And what I see from this is Zachary Levi, while maybe not the first person I would have thought of to play Shazam, is a great choice in the kind of movie that I would like a Shazam movie to be because he is a big smiling guy. He's a lot of fun. He is deep in the nerd culture. He is everything that I would I would expect someone in that suit to exude. But he then also has to play kind of the straight guy in the character, which is a little weird because Shazam was kind of like he was very he was a young kid in an adult's body, but in that adult's body, he got the wisdom of Solomon. He got the gravitas of Zeus and all these other godlike characters. So it, I'm not sure exactly what this is going to be, but I kind of trust it more because of this choice than I would have even someone who I would enjoy, like a John Cena that was uh, bandied about for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's I definitely look at it like the body style is the only thing that because I, you know, I'm taking this from a a lot newer of you know understanding of the comic book characters and just with how they look because and all that but trust me i i dig the fact that they did class cast zachary levi the it, and it's also why i never do when people ask like well who would you cast i'm like uh no i do i cannot play casting director because i would probably do a lot of the picks that everyone else would do and whoa i didn't even think about zachary levi for shazam yeah, John um, Hamm was somebody that was talked about from the fan side of things and was, yeah. to me, a pretty stellar example as to, oh, that could be a lot of fun. And again, because John Hamm can do 
humor and do lightness of character as much as he can do very serious things like in Mad Men. Yeah. And it's the other interesting part for this for me is like I, I don't I, I had heard that there was this unspoken rule that there's wasn't really going to be much actor crossover between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC film universe. I'm assuming that's what the F is in FU. Um <laughs> so this is actually gonna be the first, you know, this the first, you know, bigger star to be in both cinematic universes here. What do you guys think about that part? Because I mean, you know, here you know, you, you look at other, you know, rivalries in the nerd culture and we have crossovers with that. Like I know uh George Takei is one of the f- the first, if not the only person to be in both Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh he, he was in I think it was Rebels. Oh. Uh or, or not uh, Rebels, uh Clone Wars. Simon so Pegg is Scotty and he's uh Unkar Plutt. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, this that's why I said one one of the first, you yeah, know, and they're not like the only people. Um, it, I really and, and don't Gregory. see this. I, I don't see them having Zachary Levy also play him in the Marvel universe, and I, no, I don't no, see no, any no, crossover no. happening. <laughs> but no, I mean, but like we said, he's he's Fandral in the Thor movies. Yeah, and so and then he's also going to be like we don't really see that with you know like the only other person who's who has done. Like yeah. Chris Evans, yes, he has done those. Like he was in here, and then he was over here. But it's like they're, and Ryan they're not... Reynolds was Green Lantern and Deadpool. But it, wait, as wait, far as did he play Green Lantern? Yeah, it's referenced yeah, we, in we, the we, beginning we, of Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of these are pre the universes where it's like they were more just licensed out to other studios to make. But now that it's you know we're, we've got essentially you know two big powerhouse studios, they're doing their own films and stuff like that. I had well, heard it's, it's, that not like, was... it's not like Fandral is a major character so far. And and honestly, Zachary Levi didn't even play him in the first film. How many people noticed when he switched over in the second Thor movie to somebody else? And and how much do we know that he's going to be in Ragnarok? Uh, I would love to see a Warriors 3 uh, spinoff uh, or something, or even a short, because they're talking about doing the Marvel shorts again for the, the Blu-ray DVD releases that they saw for a while. But it, it's it's kind of it's the same as anything else. Is he should get his due, and Zachary Levi is someone that I think could easily play a superhero character, and it's finding the right fit for him. If it wasn't this, he could have been a good Green Lantern. It it's it's really hard to say what spot he would have filled. But if if you're in a part at Marvel that is not a giant role and you're not signed on for multiple sequels and everything else like that then yeah you should go find the place that's going to sign you up for something a little bit more major and honestly i'm looking at the list here from the article that they had other people you know they had john cena who had met with the director Derek thieler from abc family's baby daddy uh zane holtz from dusk till dawn the series uh billy magnuson magnuson from bridge of spies and then jake mcdornan from the tv series limitless I look at those and I'm sitting there like, okay, I don't, a lot of them, I don't see the potential for big, with the exception of John Cena to have this be their breakout, you know, silver screen role in there. So I, again, I still think that this is the, I, I, I love the casting choice. I think this is great, but I just don't, I don't know. Cause I still feel like this is going to be like 
the Shazam Black Adam thing is going to be a little bit ways out because I think they're doing a Black Adam movie, you know, separate, and then like they will meet or something. I'm hearing but, more about the Captain or the sorry the Shazam movie being closer to filming than I hear about the Black Adam movie being closer to filming. The Black Adam movie to me is in the same boat as Gambit, uh, which is we we've talked about it for a good number of years, but when it actually is going to land is is anybody's guess. This yeah. the Sandberg has been saying for a while, like he's put up the script and photos. He's he's teased a lot and he's he's mocked Twitter to a certain degree, saying, you know, there's absolutely going to be people who are going to love this and people who are going to long for my death after this comes out. Uh, so it'll be fun to see who lands where. But I, I like that about him is because he's got a good sense of humor going in just about how people are going to react. And how do you handle that? That is such a scary place to be in Hollywood right now is being in charge of one of these fan based properties and and there's the potential for a huge payoff if you're if you're James Gunn who does everything right with Guardians of the Galaxy that had low expectations but made everybody happy, or you're the person who who makes what is a a quality movie, but then everybody pisses on it because well Avengers two wasn't as good as Avengers one. Uh, <laughs> it's and I, I'm going on a limb by saying that Avengers two was was a quality movie, but whatever. Um, it's tough. It's it's hard to to even think about wanting to be in that position. That's why I think so many people come in, sign up, and then walk away. No, yeah, definitely. I think these are great. Like this is, I think this is honestly a great discussion, and I think the fact that no, see, this is what confuses me a little bit is because Shazam is going to be at New Line. So is it still? Is it in the DC film universe, or is this? essentially an elseworld story to it could just be a production thing it it might be as similar as hulk being uh, at universal although that's that's a little bit bigger of a deal at least new line is still under warner brothers and they they have the the map for this but it, it could just be like we want to put something on new lines map that we can both lose money on if it's not a huge success or it can it can make their year by being there into the dc film universe I don't know the ins and outs of that, of course, but that that's the way that I would see it being. And it may also be just like we did this because this is where this director was and we wanted him to work on it. And he's under contract uh, for that production house instead of the other ones. Uh, Patrick, do you have a favorite superhero comic book property that you haven't seen yet? And if you you were able to cast it, what would you do? That I haven't seen yet. The first one that comes to mind is Ms. Marvel. The new one. Yes. The Kamala Khan. Yeah. Yes. I how is that comic not going how is that not more active? It's so good. And I would love to see that even if it's just a TV show, I I want to see more with that. And I want to see that in the MCU. Especially I, after uh, uh Captain Marvel comes out in And that may be years. the thing is Captain Marvel's secondary characters like the the things that you would add on to her with iron man obviously you get roadie with with captain america you get falcon and winter soldier but captain marvel uh, doesn't have a huge group of characters that would be they've been using alpha flight characters with her which has me kind of excited in in depending on how they go with the movie is like if we get sasquatch and puck from alpha flight 
that would be really cool, even if they're just secondary and then maybe something with Alpha Flight happens one day. But you're right. I love Kamala Khan. I think she's yeah. she's terrific. No, yeah, I was I was actually really excited that you said that. Do you have any any casting choices that you would see with it? I hadn't really thought about it. And, <laughs> uh, I, I'd love to see him. It's obviously a young character, so pick yeah somebody relatively unknown, and you know it's their big break. So now, yeah. did you are are you familiar with? Because uh, I think she's in the Avengers Disney XD show. I uh, haven't watched see, that. No. Yeah. She's in, I, they, I they really need to watch that though. <laughs> yeah, she because they bring her in there, and actually, that's the one thing that I've been applauding for. You know, with with them doing this is because they've been able to do, and this is someone coming from someone who hasn't really been following it like he used to, but they've been doing these stories a lot more like they uh, from the comics, but you know, just animating them. I think they had her at one point as a central character in in the Avengers TV show. Uh, which is really great. Yeah, cool. There's a uh, Stephanie Beatrice, who is from Brooklyn Nine Nine, has been posting pictures of her in cosplay as America Chavez. Uh, she loves the character and wants to play her up on screen. Now, the argument is that America Chavez is usually portrayed as a teenage character, but it's just kind of incredible to see someone in Hollywood picking up on what is this mostly only known to baseline comic book fans and jumping all over it and saying, I really want to play this part, which is, yeah, we're in a point where Hollywood has made comic book heroes more financially exciting than ever, but it's still really cool because America is a still relatively new character. And this is an actress that I really like in her Brooklyn Nine-Nine role. And when I've seen her in parts on like uh, modern family and stuff, it just seems really cool that this is a time that we live in now. I look at it, and then obviously I'm going to do the obvious one here because there is still the tie here. Miles Morales, Spider-Man. This is one that I have said, you know, numerous times on here and Corey's always gone, we're well, going to have the backstory and, you know, all sorts of like, no, you don't. No, we didn't have to have the backstory. With, no, I have, I have a problem with the backstory in, in the comics. Yeah, yeah, you have that problem. And I'm like, <laughs> but no, it's, they've simplified it in by confusing it a little bit, but basically just like, don't worry about it. Don't, you know, don't, here's him follow him now not where he was because we're sort of getting that i i feel like we might get that going on with the the at least the tv like the animated tv side of things you know sort of similar to how we got the birth of miles morales where you know we had donald glover going i want to play spider-man he had the 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 film the facebook campaign and the twitter campaign going for it and then you know we've we got you know brian michael bendis took took note and created Miles Morales Spider-Man. I think we could see something like that happening with uh, Stephanie Beatrice doing this. So and and Sony is supposed to be doing a Miles Morales animated movie. They, they've they announced it a couple years yeah. ago, so I don't know what the status of that is. But yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly accepting that they can do that in, in the films or TV shows. My problem is just trying to explain to a, a new comic book reader where the hell Miles Morales came from and why his history is so convoluted when I'm trying to sell them comic books which is fortunately not my job anymore, so I don't have to deal with that headache. But as as a once, twice, three times a retailer, it still kind of sticks in my craw a little bit. Here's how I always counter that, when I because I say, hey, you like how in Spider-Man, the cartoon shows, he's always a kid in high school? That's this. You know, because you look at, that, at the Peter Parker Spider-Man comic books, it's 
he's older. He's you know got Parker Industries or you know it blew up, so he's going back to the Daily, uh, the the Daily Bugle, and all that stuff. But now we got you know counter over into here, and you know this is him as a kid. You can relate to him. You're a kid, kid. There we go. Ha ha. Well, now that we've had Spider-Man Homecoming, it would almost be cool to see the reverse and have Miles Morales be the adult <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that would be pretty cool. Um, but I want to move on because, and I think I have a loose connection here because. Aren't Phil Lord and Chris Miller rumored to direct the Miles Morales animated movie? Well, it depends on if they've been fired yet or not. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <laughs> well, and I mentioned that because the, uh, Lord and Miller are set to direct Andy Weir, the author of The Martian's new novel, Artemis, for when it comes out. And out of the three of us here, I think only one of us can say that they've seen the cover and will be reading the book really soon. And it ain't me or Corey. Um, <laughs> Not soon enough, really. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, Patrick, I'm going to throw to you um, because I'm assuming you're a big Andy Weir fan since you're, you know, you're you're dying to read the book. Well, a um, big Andy Weir fan. I, I've seen The Martian and I own a copy of it. And so that's all of his work that I know of yeah. besides uh, Artemis. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, The Martian's great. And so I'm expecting that from Artemis and yeah. hopefully it won't let me down, but I've been hearing great things. So, And that's the thing too, is Andy Weir is still pretty young in his career of yeah. being a writer. The Martian was his first book, wasn't it? it essentially he wrote it online and then got the book deal and, and, and got it published and stuff. But he's not had a lot of experience, but it was just such a, a, blast off of quality and and it hit the audience right that now you get miller and lord wanting to direct your movie for your new book that isn't even out yet and so you have no idea how successful it is i don't know if i'd want them to direct my movie if i was anywhere. <laughs> um it, you know they did a great job on the lego movie i love that movie it's one of my favorite yeah. movies of all time but <laughs> I don't think lightning can strike twice. Uh, I've seen what they've done on uh, Last Man on Earth. I really, I watched that show. I've seen every episode, and I'm continuing to watch it, but I'm kind of hate watching it now. I really can't stand most of the characters in that show. Mm-hmm. It's trying to be funny, and it's it falls flat. It's tiresome, and I'm glad they were taken off of the Han Solo movie and. I think I can't see a Hans Ola movie with Lego movie style jokes or last man on earth style jokes. And so thinking of them and I've seen some other stuff they've done. I um, can't remember the 21 and 22 jumps. Oh yeah. Yeah. And see, I can't see. Yeah. I can't see that stuff working for, Han Solo, and I don't know if, I mean, I haven't read Artemis, but if it's anything, a serious sort of story, like the Martian, I can't see that working. It sounds like a murder mystery on the moon from what I got from the description of it. And and it or it kind of like a Blade Runner-y noirish novella. But that's that's just a guess. Again, without reading it, I don't know, but it does follow up with the, the hard science stuff in the way the, that the he article, did with the Martian. Yeah, the article quotes it as this. They describe uh, Artemis as an adrenaline charged crime caper that features smart, detailed world building based on real science. It centers on Jasmine Bashara, a.k.a. Jazz, just another too smart, directionless, 20-something 
uh, chafing in the constraints of her small town and dreaming of a better life. Except the small town happens to be named Artemis, and it's the first and only city on the moon. She goes into debt to pay for a job, and you know, blah, 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 blah. Hilarity ensues from there. Which is a problem, because it doesn't sound like a story where hilarity should ensue. Is, is there yeah. a wacky sidekick character that comes in? <laughs> there uh, will be now. Yeah. Uh, it, or they go against type. They go against what we know them for. And I'm with you. I I dropped out of Last Man on Earth pretty early on. I find that Will Forte, who I like a lot, his his comedy is really hit or miss for me. Uh, Fred Armisen, same thing. It's like my wife kept watching all the episodes of Portlandia and she's like, I keep thinking it's going to be funny, but it's never been funny, and I don't know why I haven't learned my lesson yet. I'm like, yeah, I I know that completely because, again, I can enjoy either of those people in small doses, but a full thing with them in the leads, it's like their style of humor is not for me. And the style of humor in a lot of the, the current comedy stuff, like the 21 Jump Street movies, is not for me. It's just, it seems like modern humor is not where... I'm not clicking with it, which does not mean that there's anything wrong with it. It just means that I'm not the right audience. But I could see Lord and Miller doing something different uh, because they're capable. They're incredibly capable. And the Lego movie is a stellar example of a movie where it's just like, wow, this lands on pretty much every level. It's just a matter of what does it take? And for Andy Weir, it was probably just, well, someone's cut me a huge check, and, <laughs> but and I get to spend forever. Yeah, I, I look at this honestly as like looking at their Wikipedia, you know, the Wikipedia page where it has their film history and their television history. This is a, it is a lot of comedies that they are in here doing, you know, and stuff like that. So I I agree with you, Corey. Honestly, one hundred percent. I think it is them trying to break out of the uh you know break out of doing the comedies i mean they did my favorite movie of all time which is cloudy with a chance of meatballs i cannot tell you how much that movie just grabbed my attention book i never read uh as a kid so i had no connection to it at all up until seeing that and i'm like holy crap this is everything to me but yeah i I don't i don't know i guess one thing you could say is well, we saw that the audience didn't show up for the new Blade Runner, so a super serious sci-fi movie may be something that <laughs> Hollywood wants to avoid right now. Maybe we're just too much of a, a group of nerds and give too much importance to Artemis because we're like, oh, Artemis, it's anywhere. This has to be, maybe Hollywood's looking at it as like, yeah, this is book by the sci-fi. Yeah, he had that one thing, but... Yeah, yeah. Let's see if these guys can give it a shot. Maybe they don't. They don't care about it enough to give it to somebody with the background that you might expect for this sort of film. Maybe there's like, oh yeah, we'll give them a shot. Maybe they can do this sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. If you look at the career of of uh, Stephen King, and you see that his his biggest hits were things that were more controlled by other people, like The Shining for for decades and now with it we finally see something that both looks and feels like what stephen king has written and earned successes at the same time maybe it takes a long time as a writer to get your due for for that to happen when the amount of time that neil gaiman has had stuff in development and we finally got american gods 
and it seems respectful to the source and to him as the creator of it. And on top of that, turned into a really great property in, in a cinematic sense. Maybe that's just the expectation is, okay, yeah, you, you got lucky once. Let's see if you can get lucky again. We're not ignoring the fact that you you had a huge success in both your book and the film uh, that came out. But this is only number two, and these guys are interested in it, and we're interested in them more than we're interested in you and your story. So, Yeah, I, I honestly... I think Beatmaster has it pretty, pretty spot on. This could be the, the I think was it Fox that's doing this, the production of this. That this could be them banking on uh, Lord and Miller doing a Russo Brothers twist. You know where because before you look at before Captain America Civil War, they were mainly doing, you know, they were mainly known for directing episodes of Community, and you know, executive producing. Uh, you know, seasons one through three and then season five or, you know, Arrested Development or, you know, all like more comedies than, you know, the dramas. So this could be them trying to do, say like, hey, can you guys do this too? Because, you know, look at, look at the Russos. They're now directing, you know, one of the biggest movie franchises in the world. And we want to try to do that with you. This could be them, you know, more of a, to put it in television terms, them doing a pilot to then see if it gets picked up for series. That picking up for series would be them doing more dramatic, Oscar-worthy directorial stuff that, as opposed to the comedies that might get nominated but don't stand a chance. The only thing I'd say to that is that the Russos were coming from the TV stuff directly into the film stuff, whereas Lord and Miller are already Lord and Miller. Yeah. They don't you don't hire them on because you don't like what they do or because you want them to do things a different way. You hire them on because of their successes that they've already had. And it's up to them. I think they're picking their projects now, whereas the Russos came in and they were picked for something uh, because they showed something that was appealing to the people who were in charge Kevin Faye or whatever. So I, I think it's a different level of control at that point. But again, they, absolutely i think are capable enough that they could surprise us or they could do it the way that theirs vision is and since we don't know the book it maybe their vision is exactly right for what andy is wanting to do yeah no, well if, if andy Weir has a time traveling duffel bag then these are the guys to handle <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah speaking of the root uh not the russos uh, Lord Miller, we got another story about them. Lego, the Lego Movie Two is happening, and they are actually rewriting the script, and they will be tackling gender differences. The main issue I want them to tackle, and this is an important one, is that why? And actually, it's totally a joke, but why the female characters they still have the the shape of the Lego brick, but yet you see the lines drawn in for their hips. <laughs> why not just shave that out? Yeah, I've been trying to figure that out. I look at the character, and like, like, like you, you look at Wildstyle. Yeah, yeah. and the, the, I don't know if maybe <laughs> where the leg things are. Maybe there's not enough uh, internal space. But uh, then they've got the Lego Friends figures, and maybe that's going to play into this because they want to do more with gender differences and maybe that'll be oh well lego friends they're the skinny ones and then you've got the normal lego figures that are just you know these guys yeah. that everybody loves 
There are some Geek Squad Lego figures that were sent out by, I think, Webroot or something to the Best Buy stores. And one of them is a female agent, which is, I was really excited that they did that, that they thought about having multiple genders represented. One of the things that I liked about the first Lego movie, though, is that there were female characters involved because when I was a kid, I had my mega superhero figures and it never occurred to me that I was only supposed to play with the boy figures uh, or that the female figures are supposed to be secondary or my Star Wars figures. Again, you know, Leah was just as important to the stories that I was playing out with them as any other character, probably more important because I recognized her whereas I didn't recognize a lot of the other characters or they were just slightly known uh, and they had a cool name and and backing card for the for the figure from the packaging. But what I'm confused about, and, and not terribly confused, is it sounds like part of what they're doing with the gender differences is they're involving the Duplo blocks because the the kid in the movie is dealing with his little sister coming in and disrupting his play with her stuff and having her kind of take over, which is not necessarily a gender fight as it is an age fight. And certainly that girls might play differently than boys. But I think, again, you're going to see it more from the perspective because she's a young girl versus an older boy and how they like to interact with their toys and stuff. At least it's not a... The girls are are relegated to the pink aisle of Toys R Us, like a lot of other stuff, like even Toy Story went into is, oh, you've got all your toys, you've got aliens and cowboys and all these other things, and I've got Barbie and Ken. I, I had a cousin who was my age. We all played with the stuff together, and she definitely had Barbie figures and a Wonder Woman Barbie-style doll that I was happy to play with when I was there. But a lot of the stuff had a lot of crossover, and it didn't matter what our gender was. And I'm I'm gonna I want to throw to Patrick on this real quick uh, before, but before I do that, I want to say because me, it's the exact opposite. You know, my I have a sister; she's two years younger than me, and you know, this is our childhood room. I just took it over because she got married and moved out. But you know, we had each our own toys. You know, I was the one the kid sitting there, you know, on my half of the room playing with my Legos and stuff, and she's over there playing with her Barbies. And, you know, very stereotypical, you know, with me, it was Legos and Transformers. With her, it was Barbie and whatever else she played with. You know, this is, this is like 15 years ago, so I don't know. I don't remember. Um, and you like, and then you, like, so I could, I definitely relate to this because, you know, older brother, little sister, you know, the voice upstairs is saying, hey, you got to play with, you got to let your sister play too. And it's like, oh, she's just going to bring her Barbies in here and I'm playing Lego, not Barbie. And all that stuff, but uh, Patrick, what, what about you? I mean, like, how? What, what are your thoughts on that part? Like the whole, you know, sibling dynamic. Well, I didn't have a sister. I, I have a younger brother, and so uh, we had in our basement a ping pong table that was covered in Lego. We built our own city, but we had the female characters back in the eighties. They all had the hair that came out to the side, and so yeah. they were an active part of our city. Whether they're working in the uh, the medical center, or they're at the house. Some of them were at the spaceport, or in the castle. We, yeah, the the leader of the castle was a queen, I think. Yeah. And uh, or princess, I don't know. That's my brother stuff. But uh, yeah, I know. I'm gonna. My son's gonna have uh, Lego in, with female characters, and that's they'll just be part of that. So, 
Yeah, when I grew up in the 70s, the the gender cutoff was more because of how the toys were were sold to us than mm-hmm. it was that we made those choices. And I, I think that we've we've grown and somewhat. I mean, look how hard it is still to to get Marvel superhero figures with with female characters in them for for a long time it was like oh yeah we don't want to sell these characters we're selling them to boys and it's like well what if the girls enjoy them and so they were canceling cartoons because girls were watching instead of boys watching that that they thought they couldn't sell them the toys uh that's one of the reasons why i guess they said that they canceled young justice and some other stuff or black widow is the one who's riding on the motorcycle in age of ultron but in the action figures, you see Captain America riding the motorcycle because Cap's got a bike and Black Widow doesn't. It's like, well, they both do to a degree and, and they both should and can. But I, well, I, I agree. I, I think it's, it's nice to see that your kids aren't going to have that same level of girls play with, with this and boys play with this and girls cut hair and, and become hairdressers and, and stuff. And boys have, have war figures and stuff. And when I was growing up, I liked Lego on its own. I, there were no ads on TV getting me to buy the latest sets. There was no cartoon series. It was just, you get the box all you can see is what's on the front and what's on the back. And then there'd be a catalog in the middle, but you'd have to make up your own stories. And so built the world, however I wanted to build it. And there was no marketing telling me, telling me, well, this is this, these sets are for boys. These sets are for girls. Now, granted there were the Paradisa sets, which were pink. And so it didn't really interest me when there's spaceships on the other page, right. but there was one set that had a pool and it was Paradise and it was pink. I always thought, oh, it'd be cool to have that set because there's a pool and I could have the the, the characters in the pool. It was different than any other piece I had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to have my guys have a pool party in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, no, this is where, I mean, you're honestly, you're putting me to shame because I came into it. Um, I think I had like two sets that weren't Star Wars and like but one was a space shuttle set and then it was all like star wars sets there's like because yeah. you know, growing up i was big into star wars i still am but i mean it was like you know, everything was star wars and so, so i was like uh, I, I even still have up on my dresser over here on top i still have lego uh, star wars legos up there and so it was always you know i would but it would be i would build the ship and then after a while i'd be like well let's modify and then it was Let's take it apart and then build build my own ship, and so that's what that's basically what I did now. And actually, I think I have three up there that I built that are custom. In, and in my mind, the physics work, but probably not really. <laughs> so the other the other part I want to get I want to get your guys' opinion on is the fact that this is actually going to do for a Lego movie. This is going to do something really interesting. This is going to tell the story from two perspectives as opposed to just one. So you're getting it both from uh, Finn, the boy, and the first, you know, the live action bits from his where Emmett is the hero, but how is this going to look like for Finn's sister? Is Emmett going to be the hero or is he just going to be a bumbling buffoon? When I read that, the first thing that came to mind was, I think the book was The Pig Man, where each chapter was written by alternating characters. So there's a boy and a girl and they'd take turns writing chapters. And 
so you'd see each perspective and they'd kind of uh, comment on the previous one as if they're like, no, that's not how it happened. And, and so I, I think it would be interesting to see the movie in that sort of way. Like, okay, here's Finn. He's down there playing with his Lego and this stuff happens. And then, oh, he's going to go wash up. Oh, now it's his sister playing. And oh, now this, <laughs> that, could, that could be fun. But, that, but with that, though, that almost seems more like a TV show than a movie. Well, you know, a few minutes of this, a few minutes of that, and then yeah. ultimately it comes together and they, they have this big battle, but then they'll come together in the end and everything works out and we can cooperate and uh, it, fight Lord Business or whoever the bad bad guy is. And... Just real fast, have you guys ever read that Exquisite Corpse? Uh, it's a meme that was passed around for a while. Uh, it's um, An Exquisite Corpse is a story where, where one person takes the first line of the story and the next person writes the next line and so on and so forth. And there was one going around that two students were given an assignment that they had to write together. And the girl started writing her story and it was going to be a teenage girl, typical love story. And then the guy starts writing his part of it and it becomes instantly about her character is killed off and, and like <laughs> space Marines yes. show up and start yeah. doing it. And, and she keeps going back and forth, but the space Marines decide that what they really are looking for is love. And it's just like the whole back and forth that was so Perfectly stereotypical gender biased, but it was still incredibly funny. And, and you just made me think about that with that the Pigman thing, which now I want to read. There was also a superhero book called Soon I Shall Be Invincible that was written with two perspectives. It was the villain of the book who had killed, I guess, the main superhero, was trying to reestablish himself. And then the new heroine uh, joining the justice league style team and everything it would go back and forth between the two it was almost written like a blog but from two different characters perspectives i don't know where i was going with any of this it just reminded me about the things one trap i hope they don't fall into with this though is because it mentioned duplo and so i hope they don't say oh well uh girls they have these duplo blocks they're inferior and you know the girly and here's emmett he's the hero that we know from the last movie i hope it's not Duplo versus Lego because no, yeah. Duplo has its time and a place and it's for babies. And hopefully this girl has grown up and moved past the Duplo. We can get into the actual real gender dynamics and not so much age dynamics. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I agree with that 100% because I like to emphasize that because like you were talking about with the, the Lego friends uh, line and stuff like that, I would rather see that. So I would hope that they would age the characters you know two or three years to where you know she's not playing with duplo anymore she's playing you know with his legos but then with the lego friends line and stuff like that yeah and they probably um, want to market that because yeah <laughs> they need to <laughs> honestly I, I i could honestly look at that like yeah if there's a way to market like a combining of the two like to where <laughs> there's a little bit more which lego movie would do that to, to where you know we get because it's all even now it's we get the the girl characters you know the lego friends they're you know more built like actual people mm -hmm. as opposed to like bricks and basic shapes of people then maybe that would lead to you know better lego designs overall when when it, you know with the merchandising and stuff like that well my niece is 
She's uh, 14 now, but she's never had any interest in Lego Friends. Uh, even though they've got equestrian sets and she's big into horses, she really doesn't want friends because she thinks the people look weird. And she's so used to the classic characters. Yeah, right. She's had handed down to her and uh, gotten her on her own. That, that's the, the stereotypical thing of female fantasy armor uh, with the, <laughs> the, the breast cutouts and everything or whatever it is is just you don't need to change something to make it appeal to girls or women if they're into what it is you're doing then they're into it for what it is not because you had to sexualize it or genderfy it for their purposes it's like no there's there's certainly something to be said for maybe some young women want to see their armor look more attractive and that's fine but that's not what it should all be about and if you have a character that's interested in that then that could be the story that you tell but yeah i i I completely get it is like oh i like legos oh great well here's legos for girls i don't like legos for girls i like legos exactly yeah and back in the day they used to advertise girls and boys playing with magazine ads they didn't have tv ads but they'd both be playing with the same sets but i guess they, they think they need to do it separate. So. I don't know. I, I look at this, you know, since I work at Target and I'm, you know, I, I walk down the aisles all the time and I see how they have the aisles set up right now for for Lego. They have the the Lego friends and the, the Disney uh, Legos on one on one side of the aisle. And then the other is the not necessarily licensed because the licensed stuff like Star Wars, Minecraft go on the other side, but the superheroes. The Marvel ones are on this uh, the side over the opposite of it, to where and then it's like the more generic, you know, like architecture and then you know regular buildings and stuff like that. Opposite, I could see them, you know, sort of then blending those two aisles together. That's my hope. My other fear that I have, and I don't know if you guys share this, is I'm hoping we don't get outcry of people going, "Well, why is there a female writer?" Just because, like, I I feel like we could fall into this trap here of it's being written by guys how are they going to tell the girls point of view when they're not girls and stuff like that like that's one thing that just sort of popped in my head as i'm looking at this, like the whole well boys versus girls thing well how they know they're not girls and stuff like that you know as someone who sometimes tells stories it would be really horrible for me if i was only able to ever tell stories from a white 40 something year old male's perspective so I, I I get why there needs to be more representation from writers uh, of of different genders, identities, races, everything else. I completely agree with that uh, because it brings in new stories that yeah. maybe us crazy old white guys can't come up with on our own. Or maybe we can, but we just don't because it's not what we're used to doing. I absolutely am in love with having a a more inclusive Hollywood and more inclusive creativity across the board in books, in comics and everything. But yeah, the idea of pushing it so far as that only women can tell stories about women and only African-Americans can tell stories about African-Americans. It's just something that if you are a person who is a male that is telling those stories, you need to be really conscious of what you're telling um, and making sure that you don't just follow stereotypes because that's all you've known. I only bring that up just because, you know, I could see people doing that when it, when they, they're watching a movie, like, oh, that was a good movie. But wait, there was no female writers. 
her i'm mad now when i mean really you know the, like they're probably looking at this more of from the kid perspective that i think they you know lord miller or the other you know the other writers involved might have daughters and they might see how they play with their toys and stuff like that and the stories that they tell um you know like uh it reminds me i don't know if you guys ever saw the uh the youtube series on geek and sundry uh written by a kid where they had yes. oh, right. <laughs> kids in general telling these stories and, and then they had was it, it was either animated or they had actors acting out what the kids were talking about and you know that's a great example because here you had boys and you had girls and they were telling completely different stories and then sometimes they were telling very similar stories and it was just you know it was what it was and you know it's just i don't really have a point with this Rob, no, uh, Axcop is a very good example of that. Axcop was the the guy who was drawing out the stories that his little brother was telling him, making up. Uh, yeah. I also love seeing the artwork of of uh, girls who've drawn creatures or superheroes that they've designed and stuff like that, and then a more established comic book style artist or fantasy artist has taken that and drawn it to look more in lines with popular art and everything. And you see it kind of taking that next level. I love that kind of thing because, again, the imagination of kids is something that is so valuable because they are fearless. And when yeah. we get older, I think we we allow ourselves to feel like, oh, well, that's too far out there for me to reach for. And I'm just going to play it safer in this little book house over here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Any last thoughts on this before we move on? Uh, Lord Miller should stick to Lego related movies. And that's <laughs> What about Clone High? Well, I don't know anything about that, but maybe. <laughs> oh, that was their really that good. was their that was their first thing that they really that they got success from. It was an MTV series that uh, lasted for one season. Basically, it was the premise was these clones of famous people are in this high school. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it was um, a really good cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on MTV. Well, they also had Daria and Beavis in my head, but. After it was after that when they were you know after Beavis about Head and Daria when this came out it was in the two thousands when it was all about the real world. Uh, but yeah, so that's gonna do it for the news, and we will be right back real quick before we jump into the else words. We are curious. We want to hear from you. How can we improve the show? You can you can tell us by going to bit.ly slash en survey twenty seventeen. That is capital E capital N capital S then Irve twenty seventeen. And you will, and on there, you'll answer five questions, I think, about, you know, how how we can we improve the show? You know, like bringing on, do we need to bring on more guests like Patrick Delahanty? Yes. Um, do we need to talk less about things? Probably. You know, how, whatever it is, you, you let us know. We will do our best to accommodate. And we, will, we thank the people who have already done that. Patrick, uh, tell us about the stuff that you're doing, you know, because you are a busy man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I, I do a website, fancons.com, which spun off of a site, animecons.com. And so comic conventions, anime conventions, sci-fi cons, fantasy cons, furry cons, steampunk cons, video game cons, they're all covered there and uh, listed worldwide. And so that takes up a lot of my free time. We also do a podcast, Anime Cons TV. And uh, every Monday we have a new episode, and we're um, we're finishing up our ninth year of that. Nice. And did you see anything about that story about the comic convention that was sued for saying it was a comic con, 
and how the I guess it was just established that the season assist and or the the gag order that they had on them was considered illegal. And so there it's up in the air now of whether they get to call themselves a Comic Con after San Diego wanted to sue them out of existence. Yeah, San Diego Comic Con is suing uh Salt Lake Comic-Con, Salt Lake City, yeah. Salt Lake City Comic Con. And uh it's they don't really have a case. It's become a generic term. Uh, but also, they had tried to trademark it a while back, but now that was found to be generic. But they're still, I don't know. It, I've lost track of where that case has gone, and I'm just waiting for it to be over to see, okay, what's, what's the final thing? I don't think it sh- they've got anything to stand on that shouldn't hold up uh, because there's so many people using the term Comic-Con now, whether yeah. it's spelled with two C's or three C's by two separate words or hyphenated or not. It's all generic. As far as I'm concerned, it's everybody can call it comic con. If you wanted to trademark it, it's too late. Um, Yeah. That that ship has sailed. Yeah. Although it's, it's always odd to see the things that can be trademarked because the fact that DC and Marvel hold a trademark on the term superhero uh, always sat wrong with me. Hasbro is desperately trying to trademark Transformers names, and it oh. can't do some of them. Like I think it, it was trying to get Bumblebee. Yeah, it was trying to sue. It was trying to sue DC Comics because they have the Teen Titan or the, yeah. or the Titan Bumblebee. And I'm like, so are they going to go for the Tuna Company next? Yeah, and <laughs> they can't trademark Jazz. So now every time you see a, that Transformer, it's Autobot Jazz. On every yeah. toy. <laughs> so silly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, silly. Say, we can't have Hot Rod anymore. It's Hot Rodimus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that. It, it, it's not anything unless Judd Nelson is doing the voice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The best version of the Transformers franchise movies. But yeah. So um, and we'll, we'll let you plug again. You know, at the end of your stuff, but yeah, it's it's cool. I I, I kid you not when I like people when I say he is a busy man. Patrick, you know, if you're not, t- can you correct me if I'm if I'm remembering this wrong. Didn't you make the first dancing Groot? Yes, uh, I made uh, after I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Within two, I think two weeks, I made a dancing Groot. Other people had made Groot. They made them in, this, in their gardens or whatever, the little baby Groot. I made one that actually dances by getting a dancing flower and changing Right. Yeah. And I remember people I knew were like, oh, my God, someone made a dancing Groot. That's so amazing. I'm like, I, I totally know who that dude is. Uh, <laughs> I met that yeah. guy. That guy is awesome. I, I brought it to a convention. I finished it. It's like, oh, well, let's go to this convention. And there was a writer from uh, – one of the guardians of the galaxy comics there. And so he got pictures of it and I had posted on vine and I had posted it on Tumblr and it really never went anywhere. And then uh, slowly it started to catch on. And then suddenly the floodgates opened and it went viral and got over a million hits. Uh, MTV, CNET, a whole bunch of outlets covered it. And you know, over a million views on YouTube, and I've made it zero. Uh, yeah, zero yeah, money off of that video. And you know, you're <laughs> well, set for life. You've got billions it, of dollars. It annoys me that there's ads on that video, and I have not made a single cent from it because oh. the uh, the song 
that's used the not even 30 second clip of that Michael Jackson song. It got monetized by MCA or whoever has it. And so, even though it's terrible quality, it's a short clip. It should be fair use. And I, I put that in like, no, this should be fair. And they, they fight back, say, nope. So unless I want to risk a strike on my account or, you know, get lawyers involved, it's like, all right. And by now the ship has sailed. So I'm not making, even though I got ads on that, I wouldn't make any money. So did you, did you get, uh, did you actually get people asking you how you made it? Oh yeah. So many people. And I, I <laughs> since then I have never used the phrase shut up and take my money because I heard it so often. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was saying that, shut up and take my money. There's so many comments in that video. And every, a lot of people were asking, how did you make this? And so I posted pictures of the production process yeah. on my Facebook page. And uh, people were like, oh, I can't find one of those uh, dancing flowers. The, the sh- prices on eBay for those shot up. I got mine for $27. Uh, after that video, they went up to like hundreds. <laughs> I was thinking, so you- damn. I should have bought more. <laughs> you you yeah. made a lot of other people a lot of money and got yeah. nothing for it. I got it. nothing. Uh, I did get to meet James Gunn at Dragon Con. Oh, uh, awesome. Tons of people were coming up to me and say, oh, I need a picture of that. And then I was walking through their uh, Hall of Fame where they have people do autographs. Sean Gunn. It's like, oh, my God, Dancing Groot, I need a picture. He calls me over to the, <laughs> the table. The autograph is just about to start, and I'm cutting in front of everybody just so he can get a picture with Dancing Groot. I never got a picture of him. I, I should have asked, like, oh, can we get a picture together? But I didn't want to be that guy because everybody else is waiting <laughs> to pay. Which but is- he got a picture of Dancing Groot, sent it to his brother, and then I see Grant Imahara from Mythbusters, and it's like, oh, Patrick, a dancing group, can I get a picture? And he went to the green room and showed it to James Gunn. And so I was at a party for <laughs> Night Attack that night. Uh, Ali Spagnola was playing, and I'm dancing Groot up in the air, and somebody runs in and says, James Gunn outside. James Gunn's outside. Come. And so I go outside, <laughs> James Gunn is standing there. It's like, can we get a picture together? And oh, sure. And so we're. Sta- I have a few photos of us standing together with J- with a baby Groot in the middle, and then there's my friend that was taking pictures. Just kept taking pictures, which is great. But you yeah. can see other people start to come in <laughs> to join in the photos, <laughs> and course. so I was like, okay. And it's like, okay, it's getting really crowded here. I was like, I'll, I'll let you go. Thank you. I bumped into him later. It's like, hey, but. Yeah, and so I follow him on Twitter ever since. So that's where I get all my news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I follow him on Facebook. He he seems like an incredibly terrific guy. And oh yeah, yeah. And certainly, I I don't think that he or or Sean would ever be adverse to you taking a picture with them, but especially knowing what you what you made. But yeah. that that yeah, it was just so funny to see this and everybody talking about, it, including I think James had posted on his Facebook at the time, and going. Oh yeah, Patrick did that. that that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I I really wish I could have had a uh, gone to the premiere of Volume Two with Baby Groot, but uh, missed that yeah. opportunity. Um, and so, for the last six, well, ever since Volume Two opened, Baby Groot has been on the set of uh, Tech News Today and Tech News Weekly at, here at Twit. Yeah. So you can nice. see him sitting in the corner in the background. <laughs> that's the, the 
that's the one thing that I would do, and it's it's funny because I bought I got the Funko Pops. Uh, you can see both of them in in the back behind me, um, but I've got the regular sized version of Adult Groot and then the oversized version of Baby Groot. So I, I like doing that reverse. It's like, and and I would do it in the podcast and just be like, all right, and and he comes in the frame. Um, just when I was bored and you know Corey was ranting about something, I'm like, all right, I need I need a comedic moment for myself, just for myself. Pull it in here. But no, yeah, that's honestly cool. And I I forgot about that. And so you mentioned, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember watching that, you know, in the live feed when they're like, baby girl. I'm like, oh my gosh. So the before, so the convention before where it got all big, that was before Dragon Con? Yeah, that was uh, Stockton Con, which is not a great convention, honestly. Uh, it's very <laughs> small, but it happened to be right after we finished it. And um, uh, my wife, then fiance, and I, she sculpted the head and I did the body and uh, she painted the head and I molded the arms, but, uh, yeah, we brought it and everybody needed a picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So let's, let's jump into our uh, segment two. That's the else views, which I think we found Corey's it's the, it's your crew. Uh, but this is the section of the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, basically anything that's on our nerdy minds or nerdy hearts that we want to talk about. Patrick, I actually want to start with yours because I, I'm a comic book reader. I've got way too many comic books in front of me. I've got way too many comic books on my tablet that I need that I need to read before Wednesday. It's not going to happen, but you know, it's the, it's the truth. And you've got you're actually recommending a comic book. This is you know, yes. Corey hasn't done this in a while, but so please tell me about Back to the Future. Back to the Future is a comic series that started right after the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future. So it started in 2015, around October 21st. And so it's been running about two years, and they've done 24 issues. So they're averaging one a month. The last, there were two that came out in October. None came out in September. So it's a little haphazard, (laughs) but it's averaging one a month. And it's one of the writers on it is Bob Gale from the Back to the Future movie series. And it follows in the canon and the continuity. It all fits in. It's unlike the cartoon series, which is just crazy. This is actually like if Back to the Future continued, this would be the story. And so it has more traveling through time and it has introducing new characters and new time frames to Hill Valley. So you get to see Hill Valley in the thirties and the sixties and the eight, uh, the seventies. Uh, you get to see the, the latest storyline is learning why uncle Joey went to jail. Oh, good. And so it's really interesting to see more of the McFly family history and, and then they change the timeline and how they have to change it back. And so I'm uh, back to the future is my favorite movie of all time. And so this is, I, I don't subscribe to many comic series and this is one of those few and I love it so much. So if anybody's a fan of back to the future, they really need to be reading this. Do they do anything to explain away the differences of the what is the girlfriend's name? Is it Jennifer? Oh, why the why they changed actresses? No, that's just yeah. If they do something like they switch Becky's on Roseanne and they actually like give you a reasoning. No, that that's terrific. And this is one of those things where everybody loves Back to the Future, and of course, we're never going to see a continuation of Back to the Future, the films, uh, as much as we've wished for it and and keep wishing for hoverboards. Because it's just it's it's become an impossibility uh, without someone redoing the movies 
which I'm not a huge fan of. But to take that and say, okay, but you can continue the story with these characters and and the actors in your mind of who they were and everything and do this. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer has had a very good, long success in comics Mm. since the TV series ended. At first, they weren't in continuity, but then they switched it over and started over again where they did it as continuing seasons. And I I love that idea because some things you don't want to let go, but realistically, you know, can't ever be what they were again. And this is a great thing. Yeah, I wish they would do more Firefly uh, comics. They've done some with Serenity, but I want want a whole series like they're doing with Back to the Future. And it's it's great. And I hope it keeps going for a long time. They also did another spinoff of the Back to the Future called Biff to the Future. Oh, man. That shows you the timeline where Biff has the almanac and it shows you what led up into his empire. Oh, uh, wow. Casino and his crazy hair millionaire, you know, getting into politics and all that crazy stuff that would never really happen. I thought I read that, but it was called The Art of the Deal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's some similarities there which is odd but uh yeah biff to the future it, it's a sh- short series I, d- I don't remember how many issues there were but that that's I, I gonna, uh, yeah i was gonna say i thought it was uh the what, hot tub time machine 2 <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that is yeah. a great choice yeah yeah and that's that's through idw right yes yes yep. yeah yeah and I, I i get it on comiXology so i don't have to yeah. store physical issues that's becoming an issue at the house <laughs> yeah yeah who would do something like that at all i mean i don't know that's really weird <laughs> i told Corey i went overboard this past week on comic books but i don't feel bad for it because the comic book shop that i go to has a hole in their roof or had a hole in the roof hopefully they got it fixed and we've had a lot of rain so i'm like yeah let's i i support dry comic books <laughs> but yeah so that's great, and uh, we have we will have a link to uh, Back to the Future through Comicsology, and also you know go to your comic book shop. They probably have you know they down back stock, you know on the back. Yeah, and, and at least they can order you the trade paperbacks. Yeah, they've done some of those. All right, uh, Corey, do you got a uh, nerding out for us? Anything else for you? Well, I'm I'm kind of in a a uh, I'm in a place of I haven't had a lot of chance to watch stuff this past week. This week I'm doing which should be catch up, catching up on series that I haven't been able to watch because my wife is is traveling. Uh, so I could watch whatever I want. And yet I got it in my craw that I'm going to watch a bunch of the Hercule Poirot movies. Uh, I know that there is a Murder on the Orient Express remake coming out pretty soon. I'm not sure how I feel about how it looks, but I, I like a lot of the actors and actresses in it. But there was a movie that I really liked as a kid that was Hercule Poirot and had, I didn't realize this until today, Diana Rigg in it called, not Murder on the Nile, that was one of the other ones, but Peter Udisoff, or I'm going to butcher every name right now, if I could only get my plex open. He was, I was watching The Great Muppet Caper, which was a mystery movie with the Muppets. It was the follow-up to the Muppet movie. And he was in that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I should go and see if I can find this film. And when I did, it allowed me to find that there were like five other movies where he played Perot. A lot of them were made for TV. And so I I will have to see 
what all is available because a lot of that stuff is hard to find. Evil Under the Sun is the movie I was thinking of. So I haven't really watched these yet, but this is going to be where my week goes. Murder Mysteries and Agatha Christie Mysteries in general are something that I've really loved, but it's so... It's every so often that I actually see something that seems like a quality one. And mysteries in general, I don't see a lot of those things coming out. You see a lot of suspense stuff, but that that classic mystery character, unless you're watching PBS on Sundays, there's not a ton of that stuff out there anymore. And I'd like to see some of that kind of make its way back. So I'm hoping, if nothing else, Murder on the Orient Express, Orient Express does well enough that it increases that. Much like I once wished that... The G.I. Joe movie had success strictly so I could see ninjas return to the big screen. Yeah. So how do you feel about uh, Alfred Molina playing Perot on the the new movie, The Mystery on the Orient Express? It's not Alfred Molina playing it, is it? I thought it was... No, it's Kenneth Branagh. Oh, is it? I think Branagh's playing Perot. Either way, I mean, I feel either way with that. Kenneth Branagh or Alfred Molina, I'm like, good choice. Yeah. Alfred Molina would be a pretty terrific Poirot. I would definitely watch that movie too. But this has got Johnny Depp's in it, maybe a little overexposed, but Daisy Ridley's in it. A lot of people that I would like to see bring a, a sort of gravitas to the film are in there. So is Judy Dench in this? Just in general, I'm excited potentially for it, but I'm also I'm treating it with a bit of trepidation because how does Hollywood handle this? And are they going to get kind of crazy and try to change the ending and stuff to surprise viewers who are familiar with the story from before. I don't love when they do that. I don't want to see another Demi Moore Scarlet Letter. Olivia Coleman, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I, oh, I really want to love this. I hope I do. So we'll see. But in the meantime, I get to visit some of the classics and uh, and go from there. There was another one that I am trying to find, which is almost impossible. I think it's from 1978 called Who Killed the Great Chefs of Europe? And it was a comedy murder mystery. It has the guy who plays Pops on the Goldbergs is one of the, the main characters in it. And it was just one of those things where all of these chefs were being murdered in a similar way to what their famous recipe was. And uh, it just things like that that I watched all over the place. Something's Afoot was a play that they used to play on Showtime, a musical Broadway play that had Gene Stapleton in it. Love to be able to find that. We'll see. But right now, this is a good jumping off point, and it means that I'm not getting anything done while my wife is away. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and it is Kenneth Branagh. I don't know why Google says that Alfred Molina is playing or has played Hercule uh, Pro in Murder on the Orient Express, but whatever. There's probably um, been multiple versions of that movie before. But I didn't even find it on his IMDb, but yeah, whatever. Anyways, so yeah, you know, Hercule Perot, check it out. It's, it's, it's a also a 2001 TV movie of Murder yeah. of the York Orient Express. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think it's also a PBS t- uh, TV series that they have, the, the uh, Perot. They had a long series of uh, yeah. Perot for, for PBS. Yeah, that's brilliant. So mine is sticking with the British theme that me and Corey have got going on here unintentionally. Uh, mine is the Russell Howard Hour. So this is in the vein of last week tonight, in all honesty, for us Americans here. This is Russell Howard. He's a stand-up comedian over in uh, UK, the United Kingdom. He had a show on the BBC called Good News with Russell Howard, or Russell Howard's Good News. And that got 
canceled or well it did not get commissioned for a new series and then sky goes we'll take you and gave him a whole hour and it's honestly even though russell howard's good news came on after the watershed so you know he could swear and stuff like that it seems like here that now that he's on sky one it's like all right we're we can swear all right let's do it they've had five episodes so far that they're all news related and the, the one thing i love about this show and it's the same thing i liked about good news is the fact that he doesn't focus on the negative you know with especially with how how you know the society is today and how we see the news where you know this bad things happen and this bad things happen he will talk about those but then he always ends the show with the looking at the hashtag rh good d or rh deeds and just how like some of the things that people are doing for others you know around the uk this past episode he actually started with an article uh, with a news story that he had found throughout the week that talked about s- since 2011 i think it was 2011 the self-harm rate in the united kingdom on uh, teenage women has gone up or teenage girls has gone up because of self-confidence issues and stuff like that and he played a clip from you know he's talking about like well what do you expect when you look at you know who their who their inspiration is and he plays a clip from uh, this YouTube video about Kim Kardashian saying how she gets the perfect selfie where she knows her perfect angle and then she goes and takes 300 photos. I'm like, how are your arms not bigger from, you know, just the plyometrics of sitting there holding your phone in this spot to take 300 photos? And I'm assuming you're not using burst where you're just sitting there, you know, doing all the minor adjustments and stuff like that. And then picking the one photo that's going to go on your Instagram to get liked by millions of people this is how he started the show because he was frustrated for the fact that one of their papers, um, I think it was the sun. This was on page 30. This was 23 pages behind their page three girl, you know, who's, you know, big busty girl, you know, topless or whatever. And, you know, like, like, and all this behind uh, other issues that you look at and like, are these more important than, you know, the fact that your future women here are harming themselves and all that. And it was, I'm like, wow, this is really great. You know, telling a story. And then he ended it with, you know, like, hey, if you're, if you're a girl and you're feeling a little bit bummed, here's the video to cheer you up. And it was one of the funniest videos. I'm sitting here laughing and I wanted to show it to my mom. She's like, oh, I already saw that. I'm like, she saw a video before I did. How, what? Come on. That's not fair. <laughs> but it's a video of a, la- a lady, like a grandma t- showing her husband a magic trick of making the penny appear in the bottle. He looks down, she squeezes the bottle, shoots him in the face with the water. It's just a classic, you know, like one of those little YouTube videos to make you laugh. I I honestly, I can't say much more good things about Russell Howard, the Russell Howard Hour. They have interviews with people, like the last episode had an interview with Ed Sheeran on there. One of my favorite segments on there is called Playground Politics, where they have, it's Russell Howard, he's going across across the world and is talking about like, like money or... Um, you know, different issues to kids and getting their uh, their opinion on it and all this stuff. And some of those kids, it's like, oh my gosh, this is this is the video that will prove that this kid is going to do something bad or something. No, it's not that horrible, but it's like you, some of these kids, you're like, they really think that? And it's but it, still, it's funny. They put it, they paint it in a funny way. 
yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it's a show I watch because I like Russell Howard, and I think if you like Russell Howard, you will enjoy it too. Um, and, it, and it airs on Sky over in the UK. If you want to help support the show, support the network, gncast.com slash subscribe. And on there, you'll find our Patreon. You do that simple as a dollar a month, you will get bonus content. I believe at $3, you get the uh, Peter Fisher's app review show, which has been me and Brad so far doing it, where I talk about exploding kittens and then why I'm going to jail soon. No, I'm joking. Uh, the card game exploding kittens, it's an app now. And then the comic book reader that I use. And all, so, yeah, it's fun. Patreon.com slash galactic netcasts or very simply gncasts.com slash support you yeah you is there anybody else listening to this come over here you like the show right you maybe want to hear more you know for the low rock bottom price of three dollars or more a month to the galactic network's patreon you maybe just might hear these guys and gals talking about their favorite programmable things on them uh dick tracy telemobile phony things these folks seem to like so much around here. That's right. When you become a super partner or higher, you get the applicably galactic app reviews show, where Peter Fisher asks GM podcast hosts and guests their favorite apps on their phones and tablets. Is that or is that not what I just said? Um, yeah, but I thought just to be a bit more clear. Clear? What do you mean? Forget about it. Scram, kid. You're bad for business. But I'm the host. Why don't you risk that voice of yours for the podcast and leave the promotion for us, you know, professional talkers. Applicably Galactic App Reviews, especially like for GN, Patreon, Super Partners, here on Galactic Networks. We're going to jump right into the else words, and this is their our big discussion topic. So, Regal Cinemas, they are going to do flex pricing, essentially, where for certain movies, they will charge you more money for box office bombs they will charge you less now what, what, do, you, what do you guys think about this I'm, I, now I will point out I, I will throw it to Patrick first who has a vested interest in this because he does participate in the cord killers night attack movie drafts so yes. this could this could have <laughs> big a big effect on that on the draft yeah the big movies could be bigger and the bombs could bomb more and ultimately, I think that's that Hollywood needs to be more concerned about that because if they're getting a, a movie that's not getting a big audience and now they're not getting as much money from it, that yeah could be an issue. Although, I don't expect them to lower the price if the movie's bad. I expect the price we're paying now to be the bad movie price. <laughs> and if we're seeing Thor Ragnarok tonight we're going to be paying 20 bucks for a ticket. If we're seeing gem and the holograms, it's going to be like, <laughs> that's going to be the normal $10 ticket. <laughs> and then you're also going to see your therapist because why are you going to see gem and the holograms? Yeah. Well, that movie made what? $2 million total. Right. Yeah. But do you feel like that it's going to be, do they have an adjustment that they're thinking of ahead of time? Like we, we seriously think this movie is going to bomb. So we're going to try to lower the price on it. Or is it going to be an adjustment like, Oh, uh, Hey, the fish smells like it's turning bad. We should run a, a special on the fish. And in this case, the fish is, you know, the, the newest Michael Bay movie or what that that's kind of my question is, is it going to be adjustable pricing like one week, 
oh, we we thought this movie was going to do really well. And then the next week, it's like, it's the $5 thing. Because we used to have the cheap theaters for that. Yeah, and I would go to see matinee movies where it would actually save some real money by yeah. seeing the movie in the afternoon instead of going in the evening. Nowadays, I mean, there's still matinee pricing, but you save like a dollar. So there's really no advantage. So yeah, if there's a, a particular showing, maybe some... Tuesday night showings when people don't normally go to the movies. Maybe those are cheaper. As long as they're actually discounting the prices and not just raising all the other prices. And and also, I, does this does having it be a lower price actually encourage people to go see it? It's like, oh, well, this movie is, the one I want to see is 15 bucks, but the movie that we were kind of considering but we're really sure on is only 7 bucks. Let's go see the 7 buck movie and save some money. Or do you go to the thing that you actually wanted to see in the first place? Or does it encourage you to get out of your chair and go see it? Like my wife the other day said, hey, Assassin's Creed is available to watch for free. She goes, didn't that movie just come out? I said, I guess for some people it did, but you know, it, it totally makes sense why it's free to watch on HBO. Yeah, I, 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 when I'm looking at the movie listings, when my wife and I say, oh, let's go see a movie, we'll look and see what's playing. I don't know if we're going to be looking at like, oh, well, this one's only three bucks, but this one's uh, eight bucks. We'll see the movie we want to see. And yeah. it would be nice to know, oh, yeah, we go to the movies, it's going to cost us 10 bucks a ticket. It's Then we buy popcorn. It's not, oh, well, if we go at noon, then it's going to be eight bucks and the popcorn's going to be maybe cheaper too and we but then if we go later the, i don't want to have to do math <laughs> <laughs> and, Are we going and the movie surge pricing yeah surge pricing that's uh, no oh yeah but the movie pass thing is already kind of a question as to if it's going to cause people to go see more movies or not it seems like that's a very specific audience who's going to say oh well i want to see all the new movies and so the movie pass thing makes sense for me but for most people it's Going to the movies is is somewhat of an ordeal. I go to matinees not just because they're cheaper, but so I don't have to deal with a lot of other audience attendees and long lines and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I'm still going to see the movie when I'm going to see the movie. It's just a matter of if I go at 2 o'clock in the afternoon versus 6 o'clock in the evening, I'll be able to find seating. I can have my legs stretched out on the bars at the front of the theater, whatever else. So it, it still seems odd to me to to have a shifting scale other than the fact that some movies maybe don't expect to be blockbusters and trying to price them all the same at blockbusters doesn't make a ton of sense already. Should I be expected to pay the same amount of money for a World of Warcraft that is, to me, not super interesting versus a Star Wars Force Awakens? No, that that's part of the reason why I, I wait for Warcraft to come out on cable is because I don't want to spend the money on it in the theater. But if it was... Six bucks versus 12 bucks. Maybe that is the point where I say, okay, well, yeah, because it's not the same level of film. I look at this and it gives the, you know, there's been a, what, a year to date from, you know, the weekend starting October 27th, October 20th, 2017 to last year at that time, there's been a negative uh, 4.8% change in what the movies have done in that year. So, you know, uh, 9.6, uh, 9.06 billion versus $8.62 billion. So, yes, it is a negative trend, but part of me wonders, is it, are we looking at it too close? Are the movie executives looking at it 
too close of for this trend when maybe overall like over course of 10 15 you know 20 years the trend is still going up or it is staying more level yeah i I think it's if you compare this to climate change we can't just look at the weather today and say oh well it's colder today so whatever we have to look at the the long-term trend and yeah if they're just looking at one year they can have a down year it doesn't necessarily mean oh everybody's going to netflix the, the sky is falling yeah, because honestly, the movie's so, coming out. I was looking at the movie draft list for the winter. I'm like, all right, there's like two movies here I want to see. The rest is crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a so, let me ask there's you. stories going around today that it, they're calling it the the Weinstein Company's fall, which is the new post-scandal Weinstein Company movie that just came out is an Amityville horror sequel. Amityville, The Awakening. It has grossed $742. It's only in 10 theaters. But the other side of it is that it's also, I guess, free to stream on Google. They gave so, it away for free. Right. For a weekend. I know because I accidentally clicked yes. I'm like, I don't watch the Amityville <laughs> shit. I don't watch it. <laughs> I don't even want to support it with a pity click. No, it, it, it wasn't even that. It was, it was connecting to the Disney or to the movies anywhere. And it was right there. And I'm like, you know, I'm just like hurrying around. I thought I clicked no, and I'm like, God damn it! Now it's in my movies. Well, also <laughs> under scandal is uh, Jeepers Creepers three, which which uh, Frank Silva is another side of people who are pretty ticked off at some of the directors in Hollywood. Jeepers Creepers three came out for two specific days in theaters, and then was part of the Halloween lineup on the Sci Fi Channel the last weekend. So we have movies. I think the new Chucky film that came out just in the last couple of weeks is also streaming on Netflix for maybe not in America. Maybe it is. I haven't checked. But so there's a child's play movie that is in the theaters and on Netflix at the same time. This is going to be more of a thing is the convenience of having home theaters set up. Is it is that what's stealing people away or is it that we just know what films are going to tank ahead of time that the audience is more sophisticated than the people who are making the movies? Also, just so you're aware, it's not a child's play movie. It is Cult of Chucky. Right. Um, it's it's Child's Play 97. Yeah. <laughs> the Leprechaun in space. So, uh, so Patrick, I'll ask you this. Uh, I'll give you two choices. You can either do the movie. And I think I'm right know the answer by doing this. But you can do the movie pass, you know, $10 a month, but you're limited to one one ticket, one movie, you know, one movie a day and all that stuff. Or you can do the surge pricing where there's no limitations. On it. You can go see the 3D if you want. You can go see it at IMAX. Which one are you? Do you, would you lean more towards? Movie Pass has limits. So you can't do 3D or. Yeah, yeah. Movie Pass. Oh, I didn't it know is, that. Oh. Yeah, Movie Pass. It is select theaters. It is one movie a day for one ticket, and then but it doesn't include 3D. It doesn't include IMAX. I think well, that's, I the only, that's the only limitations. The nearest IMAX theater is an hour away from me, so it's San Francisco, right? Actually, it's it's out near Vacaville. It's oh, okay, towards Sacramento, but San Francisco is just a little bit longer. Next, yeah, on the Californians. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go with the movie pass because yeah, I don't know the if I've ever seen more than one movie in a theater in the same day, other than like marathon. I saw Back to the Future trilogy 
a special presentation right. and yeah i don't it's not normally a thing i'd do yeah so yeah 10 bucks see all the movies i want a month sure because uh, i you know i'd probably average more than one movie a month so in the end i'll come out ahead yeah and, and uh, see I'm, I'm the opposite i i rarely go see the movies in the theater and it, it's either i'm going to see the new marvel movie or my wife is taking me out to see the new whatever horror movie is it is that she's excited about. Like I'm, I'm still dreading the fact that we're probably going to have to go see Jigsaw, but <laughs> there's plenty of months where I don't wind up going to the theater anymore. And it's not because I'm adverse to it. It's just, again, it's a luxury that often doesn't seem to pay off. There isn't enough stuff that I find interesting, but I'm with you that I don't see that it's, I'm losing anything by not getting 3d or IMAX. I think if I, had movie pass i would go see movies again a lot more often i'd be like all right i get a few hours free i think i'm just gonna go see guardians of the galaxy again right but now i'm like oh, i don't know it's be 10 bucks i saw it three times it's like oh, i've already spent 30 dollars on that movie and i know i'm gonna buy it so but if i had movie pass i'd probably be there like oh wife's out of town i'm going every night <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this week, if Thor Ragnarok had been out a week earlier while my wife is away, that might have been my week, is just going to see Thor every day. Yeah. and uh, But for the time being, I'll just use uh, Movies Anywhere combined with Voodoo's Disc to Digital and maybe get movies for two bucks. Yeah, there you go. Using that little trick. <laughs> you guys, I know you've talked about Movies Anywhere, but you know that trick, right? No, explain to me. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, sell Corey on it because I tried last week to sell Corey on the whole movies anywhere thing, and he kept going, "No, I'm old and curmudgeonly." Well, I am old and curmudgeonly. Movies anywhere is free, so sign up for that. Get the five free movies. Five free anywhere, movies, and, and then you have everything on Amazon, Google, iTunes, and Vudu, which is convenient if you ever change platforms. But Vudu has a service called Disc to Digital. And using an app on your phone, it uses GPS with your billing address, so it knows if you're home. So you, you can't go into Best Buy and do this. But you can scan a Blu-ray and for two bucks get the digital version. And if it's one of the movies anywhere studios, it goes everywhere. It won't scan Disney movies, but Universal and Warner Brothers, I've definitely done. If it's a DVD, if you don't have the Blu-ray, you can pay five bucks for the HD or two bucks for SD. And you might be wondering, well, I already have these movies. Why do I want to pay for the digital version? I can just put the disc in. What if you don't have the movie? What if you look up the UPC code on the website? (laughs) (laughs) What if you like, if I just borrow movies from friends and stuff? What if you're like, like, oh, I want to watch Harry Potter. Oh, it's $5 to rent. Hold on. Harry Potter. (laughs) Blu-ray. Oh, look, it's showing me the packaging or this website brought up the UPC code. Let me just scan that with my phone and two bucks. You have Harry Potter everywhere digitally. That is insane. And that is such Not that a... I've done this because it might no, no. be, but in theory, this could work. So until they fix it. Uh, and yeah. it is again, a such a hackers slash pirates will, will do whatever they can to get this stuff because the the cost 
not even necessarily because of us, but often sometimes just because they can. And so what does the industry do to make things easier for the average user so that it becomes like, oh, well, that, that's too much of a hassle. And I'm just going to go through the service now instead. And what is the service going to do so I don't feel so bad about like not having yeah, access? You could go through some janky website and get something potentially dangerous that oh, might no, yeah. be the movie. And, you know, maybe halfway through it turns into porn. You never know what you're going to get. Or pay two <laughs> bucks and now you have it in the cloud, which whatever it's hooked into whatever service you want. And so you don't even have to, I could be at the airport and like, Oh, I forgot to download this movie. Let me just put it on my phone. I watch it on the plane. God, so I love it. I just hope movies anywhere goes to other studios because I'm loving this oh, yeah. service. It's just so convenient. Oh, yeah, that's... My iTunes oh, list went from, uh, I think like 20 movies to 80. And that's wow. before I even did any disc to digital with legit copies that I owned. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. I want the digital version of this. Then I can put the disc in storage. And it 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 sounds like Cost when Comicsology started selling stuff and it started getting popular, and then I'd see all these people like, I haven't bought comics in years, but I just spent a hundred dollars on comics because Comicsology was having a sale, and like I <laughs> I just got the entire Avengers line and I got the entire Guardians line and stuff. It's like. I'm saving so much money, and yet I'm so broke right now. I did the disc to digital, and then I was like, I want to do this with TV shows. If I can get rid of these huge box sets and just have it all digitally. Yeah. And then I look at my books. Oh, comics, I want to do it with that. I want to do it with books. I want to convert to ebooks and just want everything out of my house. I just want it all digital. <laughs> I will pay we, we, the we, 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 to convert this big, thick volume of yeah. some book to an ebook. Let me do it. We, we we cut to five years from now when all this has happened and Patrick yeah. House is, is just it's like the ultra modern all white you, there's not even furniture there because he's like no I want it all digital it's all digital couches and all that stuff <laughs> this really ruins the Burgess Meredith episode of Twilight Zone where he's in the future and he, he finally can read and he breaks his glasses it's like oh no I can just make the text bigger on my Kindle <laughs> <laughs> they need to reshoot that episode and have it end yeah. that way. Shot for shot remake, and then just tweak the ending. Yep. And they no, can use yeah, a no, I, uh, computer animatronic Burgess Meredith, uh, because that's a thing too. Yeah. Like when they do the shot for shot remake of Back to the Future, but they change uh, gigawatts to gigawatts. Yep. Do you do you have an interest in this? The the back to the original story personally not really for me because there's i don't have a, a regal cinemas around me the two that i have are that are here are uh goodrich and amc which bought it the amc bought the what the gqt or whatever it was i forget what the old it used to be but if it if it stretches out if, if regal is the trendsetter and then other people jump on board with it uh, I was not expecting the monkey wrench of making the other successful movies more expensive. That was that was a big knife in the back of that plan. But well, they say they're going to lower prices, but we all know they'll that the lower prices are the prices now, and everything else just must. Yeah. that's how they always do it. That's their excuse to raise prices. Yeah, I mean that I could see blowing up in their faces of oh well, movies are twenty bucks. 
screw movies. I just heard about this really great way to make my DVD. So because you know, <laughs> I can watch them anywhere. I'll say it this way. If it does that and I'm feeling like watching, you know, in 3D or in IMAX, um, which there's not an IMAX around me. It's like the same thing. It's like a 45 minute to an hour drive away. And it, so it's, you know, the increased price because it's a popular movie. And then it's an extra five bucks or, you know, three bucks or whatever because it's 3D or because it's IMAX. Then I'm upset and would really wish that MoviePass included 3D and, and IMAX. I don't know. It's because it'd be very tempting for me to go into the comic book fan of, you guys were never fans of the source material and stuff like that with, you know, because it would be the Marvel movies, the DC movies, you know, the, the star Wars is that are, that would be getting the upcharge, you know, it would, it, for some of it, it would benefit, you know, like the, a lot of the Amazon movies, like uh, the last year's or this past couple months, the big sick, that would have, I probably would have seen more people in there as opposed to me going on, opening night in my town with sitting in there with three other people in the or, but, sorry, four other people in the movie but do you think the big sick is going to be in an imax theater that that's no, the no, question I, I'm not saying, even something I'm not is as, even as something that would deserve to be an imax like uh valerian by the time they get to the thought process of oh this movie's tanked and we're going to cheapen it we're going to make it less expensive for people to watch it i think they're also going to pull it out of the better theaters and yeah. move it to the 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 lower end screens because it's already not worth the investment and so they throw up something that they think can make money in those bigger screens that are going to get the bigger bucks so it's the movie not only gets downplayed in cost but i imagine that it's going to get downplayed in the quality that they're willing to give you of it i see there's there's a big risk in my opinion that i don't i don't think regal cinemas has truly taken into account and that is that the bombing the, of the movies you know to where we get a gem in the holograms oh this is gonna be a it's gonna make some money and then Two weeks later, it's pulled from every theater because no one is watching it. The movie theaters still had to pay for that for that movie, you know, to be in there. To where that's where you know, like you look at this, even with the bigger budget movies, like you know, you know, the day is going to come when you know the Star Wars movie or you know a Marvel movie or you know any of these big tentpole franchise movies is going to bomb. And if this becomes that case, does this not cripple? you know, the Regal Cinemas or, you know, if AMC jumps on or, you know, you know, uh, Goodrich jumps on to this and does the adjustable pricing, does that cripple them? Especially, you know, like AMC and Regal are the big two when it comes to the, to the uh, you know, movie theater chains. Does this then kill, you know, a lot of the old other ones where, to be honest, with where I live, for us to have technically three, but really two movie theaters, you know that are you know multiplexes playing multiple things that's that's a rarity because i do not live in a big town and so to have you know oh and they're happy to be right across the street from each other but still that's you know whatever i could see if this if this happens and you know they get enough bombs like you know and, and i patrick i honestly agree with you with looking at the movie draft list this year for the winner it doesn't there's not a lot of movies on there that interest me where 
for the summer there was and Corey can attest to this because i was talking about the movies on here i had three months planned out where i'm like all right i'm gonna go this week then this week then this week then this week then this week and then skip two weeks to catch my breath and then you know and then back to you know you can only eat so much popcorn yeah yeah exactly you know it's just drink a guinness and ate ate corn and you know made a bumblebee beat brings up an interesting point too which is the perception of if you see a movie that comes out and it's a lower cost aren't you already going to perceive it as being a bomb and not worth the investment no matter what the cost is if they say oh well this movie is going to be six bucks uh then it's like well why would i go see that it's obviously already filled it's the premium pricing sometimes gathers more attention that's why an iPhone or a what what Google's trying to do with the Pixel is they raise the price to match iPhones, even though it was an unproven phone, because they wanted to compete at that level as opposed to competing at a lower level when it could have sold a lot better as a six hundred dollar device instead of an eight hundred dollar device. If I'm going to the theater, if I'm the sort who's going to look for a cheap movie or cheap entertainment and don't care what I see, sure that's fine but if people are seriously always looking for the blockbusters for that first week or so you can get people to accidentally see a crappy movie uh but still pay full price for it but if you start saying oh no we're telling you now this movie is not going to succeed then it's like well thank you i will not waste my money on this at all i think garley bear brings up uh, because i'm looking in the chat an interesting point here or actually be emphasized it because we're looking at this i'm looking at this from from a single person's perspective you guys are really looking at this from you know you know going at your own so the wives don't care or wives so you're doubling it but what about the families like how is how would this affect the families because- oh you send your kids to the cheap movie and then you watch <laughs> the better film for yourself <laughs> well I, I think uh if there's particular viewings that don't get a lot of audience like Tuesday night or something. I think that if they lower the price, then families would be like, okay, we're going to see the movie on Tuesday. We're not going to see it opening night because it's cheaper on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he mentions in the chat, Disney's totally going to, or not Disney, but they would jack up the prices on the Disney movies because Mm -hmm. they can like, oh, it's a Disney movie? Well, there's a premium for that. Not just yeah, 3D yeah, now. Yeah. It's not a premium 3D. It's a premium because it's a Marvel movie. It's premium because it's Star Wars. Although you Whereas, still get moments like The Good Dinosaur is ugh. the Pixar bomb. You know, oh. and, and who would have imagined that Pixar was going to have a bomb? And that that's something that could very much be, oh, well, I'm going to take the kids and drop them off the theater for a little bit because it's a $5 movie as opposed to a a $10 movie. But who would ever think that that movie wouldn't be successful? And could the the drop in price increase things for them or not? I honestly, I'm, I'm really confused with this because I mean, at the one side, it's, it is sort of making me go, well, movie pass is an option and I can use it in both of the movie theaters. And also, I think depending on how that GPS part works with the area, I could probably use it at my work. <laughs> I mean, movie, my- movie Pass is even more interesting to me from a family perspective. Yeah, because ten dollars a month for me is a is a sort of splurge because I know 
that I'm not always going to go see films. But if I had wife, kids, and it was now $40 for entertainment, multiple nights of entertainment for the month versus whatever it would cost to take the kids out to a movie, uh, let alone like one or two a week, that's an incredible savings. So it it exponentially gets more valuable the more people you add to it. Yeah, and uh, Beats pointing out, this is from the article, that Regal won't consider sharing uh, revenue with MoviePass, which is sad, but I think it's, you know, I honestly feel like that's just going to be, if Regal and other people really are considering this, I think that we're we're going to get this crossroads where it's either, you know, MoviePass just keeps going and gathering subscriptions for a little bit, and then they get like how they originally build it where, oh, well, we're trying to do the, what was it, the gym membership thing where you keep paying it, but yet because you forgot to cancel it. And it's, so it's going to be that price where it's like, you don't really care. You know, it's like, oh, it's $10 a month, eh, whatever. You know, I see one movie, at, you know, every once in a while, three month gap. So you're paying 30 bucks for one movie. I think of, I think this is going to be the whole, you know, VHS, Betamax, uh, blu-ray hd uh, hd dvd debate just in before it gets into home viewing entertainment yeah it, it should be it should be that i go to the movie theater i buy a ticket for a movie and then i scan the upc code on the back and it sends it directly to my <laughs> movies anywhere uh, <laughs> and then i just go home then i just say screw it my ten dollars a month bought me all the movies from the movie theater i just have to stop take five minutes to pick up my ticket and then i go home and watch it away from all these other goddamn people <laughs> So yeah, make it happen, I'm, Disney. <laughs> they're not gonna make that happen. But yeah, so I guess it's gonna wrap it up. But right here, let's you know real quickly. We we'll talk with you know uh, Patrick. You know, plug plug away. You know, this this is your time now. What what do you want to to plug? My podcast, AnimeCons TV, every Monday, new episodes. And it's not just anime conventions. We named it a long time ago. Uh, we talk about all sorts of conventions. We and a couple of weeks, I get a report on BlizzCon that I'm going to this weekend. So yeah, you can find us on YouTube. Just search AnimeCons TV. It's a video podcast, so we're on iTunes and all the other podcast places too. So check that out. Nice. Subscribing and, now. Yes, definitely. But yeah, that is going to wrap it up here for us. And if you want to send us mail, you can do that by emailing us, mail at elsnerds.com, or you can do the voicemail thing at 805-328-3966. We look at all that stuff. Or you can, you know, subscribe to us. All of our stuff can be found at gncasts.com slash subscribe. And just look for Galactic Netcasts for Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. The show is at Nerds. Our producers, Beatmaster is at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. Sean Burns is at S. Burns PA. Uh, you can find me at That's Gregor. And Corey, where can people find you? Uh, you can find the comics that I help publish and occasionally help write at donutscomics.com, the one-stop shop for everything Levi Krauss. Yes. And the final thing to be said as a throwback to the game on, this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else.
more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. <laughs>